in the book and a lot, you know, people talk about sexual harassment, to, to, but you talk about sexual favoritism. Yeah. And I think that is such an amazing concept. This is another thing I don't get. Every guy's like, oh, oh, I better not. Like there's a comic that, that's like, oh, I better not say hi to that one. You know, how do men not know how, how to behave and like, why is it so uncomfortable uncomfortable for you to be just yourself around a woman? Like, I don't understand that. I think they're embarrassed and right. want to feel that way. And right. it's because they're, they're eating a bag of potato chips right? and they're not really working. They're watching sports. They're right. You know, they're and it's like you're the school marm, you know. Yeah. Okay. Can you talk about sexual favoritism? Because I think every woman listening to this should understand this concept. If you go to the EOCC, it is a form of sexual harassment. Right. And it's where there's an atmosphere at work where sexual favors are linked to benefits. And this harms not only the people who are uh, giving the sexual favors, but everyone in that environment, including men, including women, it means there's a, a path to getting ahead that's blocked off to you if you're not attractive. Right. 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 Or if you're not open to that. Or flirting. I mean, I, in the clubs, you know, these women would be like f with the bookers and like, hey, and I was like, ugh, I can't even do that. I mean, besides the fact that I'm a lesbian, I, I, I can't, ugh, ugh. It, it feels wrong. Okay, so. But, but um, I don't want to talk about this too much, but one of the reasons I think I was so sensitive to that atmosphere was I was sexually assaulted by a head writer. I know. I can't wait to get to that. that oh my God. So anyway, but just we'll, we'll talk about that more later, but right. I really, boy, did I, I not like that feeling. And I became very professional after that. Right. So that whole atmosphere gave you, and you had closure. That is the fucking most amazing thing. You know, you end up also being a journalist. Also, Tina Brown calls you and it's like, write for Vanity Fair. And you're like, okay. And <laughs> you end up in 2009 writing about your experience on Letterman and why you quit and what the, the atmosphere was like. And he could have been like, fuck you, you fucking asshole. But he, that's when David Letterman admitted on the air yeah. I have had sex with members of my staff. And he said women who work for, for me. me, you know, I it's still, not, that he chose not to say with me, but right. for me. Right. And he got a laugh. And it's so, you know, when I and think applause. and applause and it was such a bro moment. Yeah. How did you feel like, like yes, he's, he admitted it. But it was like, 
I'm still the man. I'm still, you know what I mean? It wasn't, I don't know. It's just like, it's fucking. And they're like, yeah, that's right. And then on the view, Barbara Walters is defending him. How much do we love Joy though? Oh, Joy Behar. Let me say something. When I talk about speaking truth to power, that is Joy Behar. That is... You know, I I say there's there's a reason why every one of these panel shows has a comedian because we will tell the fucking truth. But she she is so brilliant and well spoken, and she was like you know arguing with Barbara, Jewish. Yeah, I adore um, her. Yeah, yeah, I love her too. You know, she stood she stood up for me and was like that. That you know, Barbara will oh if always protect the powerful man, right? Always side with the powerful man, and that in her generation, right? You know, that was it. High status, right? She had to do that. By the way, her book audition is delicious. This it is. is. She fucked everyone. Oh my god! I gotta. I have to. I gotta right. read it, and she's very okay. open about it. But yeah. Wow, Barbara yeah. was a slut. That's nice Excuse to know. Me. So, um, ten years later, two thousand nineteen, you write another piece for Vanity Fair about the fact that you met with David. <laughs> um, at ten years after this whole thing happens, where he admits it, and you have this conversation with him. I mean, who has closure? And he apologizes. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. <laughs> so you go and see him. You're tiny. He's tall. He's got that. I hate that beard is so fucking annoying. Like, I don't get it. But anyway, um, you go and meet with him and you have this substantive, yeah. real conversation with him. And you write about how he's uh, you. If you're listening, what listeners go on, go read these two Vanity Fair articles one read the one from 2009 and then read the one from 2019 it's it's so incredible he has this david letterman ends up having this sort of transformation after leaving his show men get to fucking you know it's just amazing where he goes to therapy he takes some antidepressants and realizes i'm a fucking asshole i was a fucking asshole you know there's a comedian whose joke is that you know, I look back and I was an asshole in high school and then I look back and I was an asshole in college and it just hit me. I'm an asshole now. Right. <laughs> I don't even know. That's funny. But, Maybe Bob Marley, the uh, guy from Maine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You went and met him. You said you were a little nervous. How yeah, I took feel? a data blocker. I was just shaking. Oh, and that's sweating. so funny. Yeah. Um, how, how did that feel to get sort of vindicated from David, Le- you know, in person? You know, personally, I didn't feel, you know, they had hired me. I had left. I went on to good things. So I wasn't bitter personally. I I, I felt there were, after I wrote this piece in 2009, a lot of women came to me with their stories of, of working on that show, wanting to be writers, getting jokes in constantly, but never getting the promotion that, you know, every guy who ever worked right. at the reception desk at Letterman got. And so um, I really felt I was speaking for a lot of, or representing a lot of women when we met. And 
the two points I wanted to make were one is like, is we have to discuss this. I love Me Too. So this isn't a slam on Me Too, but there's a group of, of people whose reaction to that was men need to shut up and listen. And men said that too. I think it's time for us to shut up and listen. I think Matt Damon said that. And then there's also women saying that. I disagree. I don't think anyone should be told to shut up. I think we need to discuss this. Women need to be seen not as complaining, but as offering their truth. And and men need to be able to say, I was wrong, but let's move forward and be better. So I thought that you know, did that come through in the article? That Oh, yes, yes. And I feel like you're right. There's no evolution without discourse. You can't shut up one half of the fucking conversation, you know? You got to hear it. And then the other thing I really want is because Dave is a leader. And, you know, when I wrote that 2009 piece, the awful emails and notes I got from people who I'd worked with, who people who were still working with Letterman, you know, I was a traitor and oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Lucky uh, that they ever let me work there. Um, Dave speaking out, I think on a personal level, it meant a lot to me because it was a message to those people. Right. To, I like, mean, never get, too late. Yeah. Yeah. Get with the program. So you have these four stages, which I love the four stages of every Hollywood writer. And you write about how a Hollywood writer's career average is 11 years, 11 fucking years. And hopefully you get a show in syndication, you don't have to work again. But uh, can you tell us the four stages? I love this. By the way, I think that's probably expanded now because there's so many more channels. Right. You know, the other thing is, is that when, you know, back to the Letterman thing, is that, you know, at one of your first jobs, you worked with Conan and he ended up on his show not having any women. He ended up, now he has a lot of women. Leno, never a woman, didn't give a shit. Well, he had them and then he would fire them. Right. And some of them were absolutely brilliant writers. Yeah. How about women of color? Did you ever, I mean, in any writer's room, did you ever work with a woman of color? Oh, that's such an awful, embarrassing question. Um, yeah, I mean, on dramas, I did, right. but in comedy, you know. It's awful. Yeah. It's just unbelievable. I mean, we have a bad, but they have it. All right. So yeah, can I you do, do- I talk about that Larry Wilmore and I, and this is like 20 yeah. years ago, like arguing with each other who had it worse, you know, right. Black oh, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> and we both, we both did agree that black women had it the had worst. The worst. <laughs> yeah. And it's, um, I think that they are having a moment and it's long delayed. But... Yeah. Thank you, Stacey Abrams. Woo. What are the four stages of every Hollywood writer? Oh, they are, um, who is Nell Scovell? Get me Nell Scovell. Get me a younger, cheaper Nell Scavell. And who is Nell Scavell? I mean, it's fucking brilliant. It is so fucking brilliant. It is so true. Y- you don't know how many times I've gone an audition. They're like, we want a blank. We want a, you know, y- young Janine, Gar- I'm just making the young Janine Garofalo. 
Get Janine Garofalo. Get get her. That's who you want. Shut the fuck up. Remember that line in the Coen Brothers moving who who better for that bottom thing feeling than bottom thing? <laughs> exactly. Hey everyone, you know, one of my favorite things in life, if not my most favorite thing in life, which yeah, it's arguably my most favorite thing in life besides my kids and is food and eating. Eating is my favorite activity. And eating is better and easier with Factor. Factor, I'm telling you, I tried their stuff. It is delicious. It is great. It is high quality. And they are, when I say ready to eat meals, they're ready to eat in two minutes. They're not frozen. They're never frozen. They're chef crafted, dietitian approved, and literally you heat them for two minutes. Every week you have over 35 options to choose from. They have calorie smart, protein plus, keto. I just did chef's choice. 60 or more add-ons that you can stay fueled up. They had these juice shots that were incredible. These are restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat when you are ready to eat. That's it. And they're really good. Elisa loved them too. There's no prep. There's no mess. I've tried a lot of these different kinds of meals. Factor is amazing and so convenient. It's so great to get home from a long day of like schlepping around and knowing you have this delicious meal waiting for you in the refrigerator that takes two minutes to heat up. And you can pause, you can reschedule your deliveries at any time. It is a great solution for those nights and days that you're looking for fast, great, delicious options with no cooking required, okay? And Factor is less expensive than takeout. So what are you going to do? Because I'm telling you, you have to believe me, I never lie, Factor is amazing. You're going to head to Factor Meals, F-A-C-T-O-R-M-E-A-L-S, dot com slash Judy Gold 50, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D 50, five zero, okay? Judy Gold 50. And use code J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D five zero, Judy Gold 50, to get 50% off. That's code Judy Gold 50 at factormeals.com slash Judy Gold 50 and get 50% off. It's worth it. You're welcome. Okay, I'm just going to read a list of the shows you wrote on. The Simpsons, Monk, Murphy Brown, The Muppets, New Heart, Coach, Mystery Science Theater 3000, Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves, Charmed, Late Night with David Letterman, The Kennedy Center Honors 2014, but you, I don't know if people know this, created the hit show Sabrina, first of all, you hit the Sabrina the Teenage Witch. The fact that I was never on coach and I was gigantic, that used to piss me off so fucking much. Oh. Yeah. What was her name? Who was the woman? I was, and everyone. Oh, fuck was her um, name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, um, tall. She Yeah, was, tall. She, and her name, character name was Judy. Right. And you know what? Yeah. And I was in LA at that time. And everyone's like, well, that's your part. It's not my part. I don't have it. That was your part. Because it was always like, you know what? You're a specific type. And, you know, way blah, 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 blah. And there's only one part for a tall woman. Yeah. Um, the fuck was her name? 
Pam Stone. Pam Stone, right. That's right. She and, and Bill Fagerbaki were so good together. Yeah, she was yeah. great. I haven't seen her in. God and you know who her. played one of in the very last episode? One of one of the Daryl's wives was what? Lisa Kudrow. Oh, there you go. Yeah, Kristen yeah. Miller played the other one. Yeah, everyone used to be like, well, you know, every time I wouldn't get something, that that was your part. And I never even auditioned for it. Shut the fuck up. You know who I used to always see at auditions? Jane Lynch. It's like. Because yeah. we were both tall. But, you know, the the non-Jews get the... I swear to God, there's so, don't you think there's a lot of anti-Semitism? <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of Jewish writers, but there's a lot of anti-Semitism. Well, as far as... Car- like, we're not doing that show, it's too Jewish. And it's only Jews who say that. Okay. Yeah. So, let's go. You, you create Sabrina the Teenage Witch... I know. Uh, so it went so hard after Caroline Ray for that because she she's funny in her bones. Yeah, she's great. I love Caroline, even though I'm jealous. Okay, so um, <laughs> no, I love her. So her name is Sabrina Spellman. So I don't know if anyone knows Sabrina is Jewish. He she is named after your father's friend Irving Spellman. Yes. And what a perfect fucking name for a witch, Spellman. It's canon now. I gave her that last name. And then when they rebooted the show, you know, like the 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 spooky adventures, what right. was it? the dark and scary, because, you know, every Sabrina, every generation gets the Sabrina they deserve. Right. Um, so this generation got a really super scary one. But um, they open on a sign that's like Spellman um, Mortuary. And it right. just killed me. I love it. I love it. Were you freaking out? You you sell sell this show. You're the you're the fucking boss. Yeah, that was fun. It was a lot of work. I ended up writing half the episodes and right. Yeah, but you were the boss. What did you do differently? Well, we we were over half women in the writers' room. We it it was a far more diverse, not racially, but right. uh, but in in a lot of ways, you know, we had not just Harvard people, Stanford people too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, nice. Yeah, we we had a, a array of people and and very female. I mean the the first three names on the call sheet were all women. The two executive producers were women. You had to get down to a producer level. My co EP was a woman. My supervising producers were women. Um, the first man was was producer. And you know who was the story editor was Nick Bakai. Oh, wow. Really? I, yeah, I gave him his first shot at, at writing sitcoms. Did you get any pushback? Like, there's too many women on this. Uh, did anyone ever say, did any guys complain? Did, it, was there ever? No, but it was, remember, it was a TGIF show. So yeah. considered, like, more of a child show and then you think women why do you think and it's also now daytime why are women why can women only host in daytime oh don't get it's so awful that and and the other thing is sidekicks i'm i was watching which one was it the other day like the and just have some women sidekick. I would be such a good sidekick. You would be. I agree. Why do we need like Steve Higgins and Guillermo right. and just? I know it's just it's such a fucking boys club. I mean, at least Seth Meyers. Like 
the the energy with Amber Ruffin. Look, Howard yeah. Stern figured that out. Right. Right. Howard Stern right. did it from the beginning. Yeah. You know, I write a lot about Howard in my book. And tell me, like, what's your what's your take? I first of all, he's fucking hilarious. He is a genius. And I tell a story in my book about how th- you're going to love this. I pitched when he started his production company. I was with uh, Don Buckwald and I went in and pitched a show to him. Right. About a lezzy family. You know, you know, he was so nice. Right. And I pitched the show and he's like, I really like it. And then I don't know, a week later, I'm at home. And the phone rings. And my best friend from college, who's the one who dared me to do stand-up, Howard, um, his name is Howard. So I answered the phone and I, and I said, hello. And uh, I hear, hi, this is Howard. And I'm thinking, Howard, why is your voice so deep? <laughs> and he goes, I said, Howard? And he said, Stern. And I was like, what? And he said, listen, I want to tell you, I loved your pitch I loved the show. We are, so, we, I say this with a heavy heart. We, we cannot do it because we have five shows. You know, that was the one and only time anyone called me to tell me, I'm so, so I think you're so yeah. talented with a heavy heart. I really wanted to do this. I can't, you know, I, that, I mean, it's, that has never happened. I mean, who does that? Yeah, no, and it's you remember those moments, those moments of decency and kindness, because right. there's precious little. Yes, of they're tiny in this business. For I've never done Howard show. I always wanted to. Oh, uh, he's um, he now you forget it because he has one guest and it's like you know. But yeah, he's brilliant. He's fucking brilliant. Jim Stafford. This guy had a, his own show in the seventies, right? Didn't he? He had a like a. Yeah. A summer uh, series. A summer series. Um, Letterman had worked on, which right. was crazy. And you're hired. He's doing a show. What was it? Wilton and oh, Northern? No, no, this is Smothers Brothers show. Oh, right. The Smothers Brothers. I it's write about this. I write about the Smothers Brothers in the book. Yeah. So they had another show and you were working on it. First of all, is Mason Williams nice? I love him. Love him. Such and his music. Oh, like Play like he actually played classical gas for me. Oh my god, that was my favorite song. Still, when I was running that, like when I would do long runs, I would listen to that over and that song, classical gas, is so fucking great. I think the the most played classical piece of music, like music without lyrics. Right, right, right. I fucking love him. Okay, so you're working on this show uh, as a writer. You're the only woman, and then they have you've you get invited to a party. Can you just tell, this is such a fucking classic Hollywood woman writer story. You get invited to a party at his house, which you realize, you say you realize they were doing shit outside of the office that you weren't invited to, right? So then you get a a rap party for the first season. And we had just gotten picked up for second season, but he hadn't told the writers whether he was picking up. We all had options on our contracts. And I don't want to tell the whole story because I was so careful in the book. Right, right, right. How I told it. And um, 
Well, but, we can do a we can do a truncated tiny, but you know, you end up going to this party. Yeah. Um, he he walks you out and says, "Why don't we stop here and let me show you the house?" You know, he brings you in the bedroom. You know. Yeah, he makes me blow him basically. Right. I mean, ugh. See, that's where my height comes in handy. Yes. You know, no one's going to fucking grab my head and go, you know, because yeah. they can't reach it. Um, good night, folks. <laughs> but, but here's and, the thing. Even, yeah. I, it happened super fast, as these things always do. I disassociated. I got, I was really in my head about, like, he he's never been very nice to me, but wait, was he attracted to me? Also, he's deciding whether to hire me or not. So maybe I should just go along with this. Because- it's just a fucking, yeah. yeah it's- and this is what every woman goes through. Yeah. But, but I knew I'd been manipulated. Just as like, even walking to my car, I was like, what was that? That was not right. And again, here, I'll go back to my family and say one of, you know, the great fortunes of my life is, you know, I wasn't raised in a family where sex was dirty or I I had to be ashamed of the actual act. And um, that that I was lucky about that, that right. I just kind of move on and say that was, you know, he was the one who misbehaved, not me. Right. But still, you feel dirty. You feel like, oh, my God, I can't believe that fucking happened. You know, I felt like the shame more like I and I didn't tell anyone because I was ashamed about that. And the joke is he didn't ask me back on. the. I know. I can't fucking believe that. I guess you get bad blowjobs. Okay. Yes, I failed. I failed the interview. Oh, fuck him. Fuck him. But thank God. I mean, I was already thinking like. Well, wait, I'm not going to sit in a room with the guy right. who did that to me. Right, right. Where is he today, Judy? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Go fuck yourself. Oh, yeah. Um, I I will admit, I every now and then I Google just to see if he's died yet. Right. Because that'll be a nice day for me. Yeah. Well, it's just fucking, it's crazy. I so, don't wish yeah. him dead, but I will celebrate his death. I just want to right. distinct. Yeah. I know. I feel that way about someone orange. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I want, he, he can't die. Orange cannot die before he goes to jail. I have, there are certain things I need to see with this motherfucker. I mean, the, I don't know if this presidency did for you. I'm sure it did. The misogyny in this, those four years it in I was enraged. Like I have never been so enraged that, you know, uh, his words, his actions, the fact that, I mean, it's like Letterman being going, yeah, sex and everyone applauding him, the pussy grabber, these, you know, he riled me up. Like, it's just, it's incredible what he did. It's, uh, you know, it's deep. It's, it's the last gasp of. Right. And the, but what about the women who fucking supported him? Who voted for, like, what the fuck? What do you think of yourself? 
Well, again, they want to associate with high status. Right. They're the Barbara Walters. Everyone's like a Barbara Walters. Yeah. Gloria Steinem gave an amazing metaphor. I know the best. And this was before the election. So this is when Hillary's running. And and she said, this is a moment in in a history that is like the moment when an abused woman has decided to leave the abusive husband. And that is the most dangerous time. The time between making the decision and getting out the door because the abusive husband will do anything to keep her in, including kill her. Right. And, you know, we are fighting to get out that door, women and people of color. Like I, it is exactly it. And you know, no, I own you. Right. You know, what's interesting is that I was so resentful that Joe Biden, in the beginning, that Joe Biden was the nominee. I was like, really? We have to have a fucking white guy. But he he picked Kamala, yeah, which I loved. Yeah. But the fact that we need, like, it's like a relay race and that we needed the white guy to hand off the thing to say here. Like, why? You know what I mean? But I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah. Because... Look at this fucking, and that Amy Cunty Barrett. I fucking hate her. She is disgusting. You know I love my liquid IV, that I drink liquid IV pretty much every day. And I love it because it keeps me hydrated. I travel with it because it's in little packets. It tastes great. It's an amazing product. It hydrates better than water alone, three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drinks, eight vitamins and nutrients, non-GMO. But here's the best part. You know I've been bragging about Ben, my son Ben, who plays basketball. His team, his entire team, they love Liquid IV. I mean, they are number four in the nation. They are an amazing team. They've done better than ever this year. Dare I say it's because of the Liquid IV? I'm not going to say for sure, but I'm telling you, these athletes love liquid IV. They love all the flavors, strawberry, lemonade. I love the watermelon. I never give them any of my watermelon. They have sugar-free, white peach, green grape, lemon, lime. It makes you feel great. And if you need a little caffeine, the the, uh, lemon ginger is beyond, beyond. And I know they use it while they're working out. I'm pretty sure they might use it after a game that they won and went out and had, you know, a couple of drinky poos. But that being said, I love Liquid IV. They're a great sponsor. They're a great product. And I honestly couldn't live without them. And it's winter still. You need to be hydrated. Hydration is very important. So weekends are for going wild, as you all know. Have a game plan for Monday. That's what you need. I just had this conversation with Ben's girlfriend. I said, if you're going to go out and party, you need a game plan. And what's your game plan? Liquid IV. Weekends are for going wild. Have a game plan for Monday with Liquid IV. Grab your Liquid IV hydration multiplier sugar-free in bulk nationwide at Costco or get 20% off your first order when you go to liquidiv.com and use code JudyGold, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D, at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Superior Hydration today using promo code Judy Gold, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D, 
at liquidiv.com. You're welcome. Did you realize Sabrina was going to be the hit it was? Did you feel vindicated? Like after that show went into syndication and became like huge, how did your life change? I was very happy that it was successful because I went into it thinking I wanted to make a show that I would have liked as a kid. And, you know, there's a lot of Simpsons in that show. If you haven't watched it, it's it's got a weird, twisted view of the world. Sabrina doesn't want to be popular. She wants to be a good person. She wants to be a good student. She doesn't want to go shopping. Right. My pet peeve about all these 50-year-old men writing teenage girls. It's like, but they like shopping. Yeah. And, and not all do. Right. So that that was great. I loved, you know, we did an episode early on where I was really trying to break the whole TGIF moral um, at the end of the show concept. It was, uh, so Sabrina does want to know, want to find out if Harvey likes her. So her aunts give her truth sprinkles from their, you know, pantry, magical pantry. And she's in home ec and they make bunt cakes. It's bunt Tuesday. So and Jewish. There's a line, I'm pretty sure it was Nick Bakai's where the teacher's like, smell your bunts. Smell your <laughs> And so Sabrina puts the sprinkles on, on Harvey's slice of cake and gives it to her. But what she doesn't see is she puts the sprinkles down on the counter. Someone else picks it up and puts it. The teacher puts it on all the cakes. So now everyone in the high school is telling, telling the, truth. the truth. And the moral of that episode was the world would be a horrible place if everyone told the truth. Right, 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 right. <laughs> I love that. I, it's true. It's so true. We were really subversive, and and they they left us alone. We you know what's selecting. yeah, the, you know there's something about shows that are quote unquote for kids that have jokes for the adult. You know that that to me when I would watch with my kids, I was like, you know, oh thank you for putting that in so that you know I can laugh too. And it was funny because my kids would be like. Wait, you're and they I love that they love comedy so much, but they would be you like know, the, the the gym coach, the the girls gym coach at Sabrina's high school was named Coach Sappho, and we spelt it S-A-F-F-O. <laughs> oh, yeah. No one knew that. No, no one, I mean I never got flagged by the censors. That kind of stuff is so funny because then my kids would be like, wait, why are you laughing? And then they'd figure it out and they'd be like, oh, you're laughing because. And they ended up appreciating. I don't think I would do that joke today. I think it's right. But which is an interesting evolution. And I don't understand comedy writers, Jerry Seinfeld, who don't understand that it's evolved. Right. A joke I was comfortable making in 1996 I understand why 25 years later, I wouldn't want to make that same. Right, right. And then that's why you have to get my book. Yes, I can say that when they come for the comedians, we're all in trouble. But yeah, the men, the uh, the white men in this business, I can't. <laughs> it's awful. You have accomplished pretty much anything 
Except for Albert Brooks. I want to do a shout out for Albert Brooks. Oh, like greatest. Greatest. And always, you know, wrote with Monica Johnson. Right. Like really wanted that female voice. It's why Lost in America is so good. What about Carl Weiner? I mean, having a woman writer on, on, um, um, what's your, Vic Van Dyke exactly. show. I mean, but that's the writing staff was right. It was unbelievable. Sally Roger. I mean, it's unbelievable. Um, She is our patron saint. You've done everything. You've written on all these shows. You know, you wrote for Spy Magazine. You were, you know, write for Tina Brown. You wrote for Cosmo. You, you know, is there anything else you want to do? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm writing a novel now, which I've never done before. Wow. So, yeah. And 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 it's going to become a movie and there's a tall lesbian in it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So hey, I don't know if I'm any good at it, but you know my theory and I have this in my book is that you should always try new things because if you're good at them, that's amazing. And right. if you're bad at them, you've got the best excuse. You just, right, right. Like, I've never done this before. before right, right, what right. Expect? It's amazing. Now, you're back in the Boston area. I am. Are you going to stay there? I grew up in Newton. Right. You know, I went to college here. My dad lives in Cambridge. And when Donald Trump won in, you know, 2016. Well, stole had, the election, yeah this just visceral response of, I want to go home. Right. Wow. And I literally live around the corner from Elizabeth Warren. No way. I fucking love that. Do you see her walking the dog and everything? I have a photo of Bailey in the window. More security. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But it was, it was very visceral, but I continued. I went back and forth to LA. And then when the pandemic hit, um, you know, we hunkered down here. So I don't know what the world's going to look like in another year, you know, with, with Biden and, and Harris in the White House, maybe, and a vaccine, uh, things will change. But oh, my God. From your I went mouth. to my safe place. Yeah, but is he going to get the fuck out of the White House? Like, what the fuck? He won't even see. They said, Kaylee McAconty said that um, he's not going to, there's no concession speech. He will not concede. He concede. He's got to leave. He doesn't want to live there. He he wants to go to Mar-a-Lago and play golf. Right. And you know what? He's a criminal. And so are his kids. So fuck them. My hope is that he goes down to Florida for Thanksgiving and just says, fuck it, I'm staying here. Right. Right. And then we have Mike Pencilhead. Um, He's he's done. Yeah. Um, Okay. Even Miller to run things, which... Oh, I hate that fucking. He doesn't even get the. You know what? Don't ring the bell for him. Yeah, I just, I just took it back. I'm taking it back. Okay. That motherfucker. We don't. Okay. I asked two questions of all my guests. Uh, Number one, we're very pro mental health. I have anxiety. I've like mental. You know, what do you do mental health wise to keep? You know. And but you seem so fucking healthy. It's so annoying. Back when I was on Newhart, so this is 1989, I was, there was a supervising producer, a great guy named Bob Benditson. 
Super funny. Co-wrote the, actually wrote the finale of that show. So if you love the Newhart finale, you should thank Bob Benditson for that. And he was the one who said, you know, our jobs, we sit a lot. So you should really work out every day. And he did. He was an incredible um, shape. And I started doing that. And every, and I've, yeah, Mark, yeah. Is, you know, I just sweat for an hour right. every day. And I think it's really helped me. So, I mean, that's a very serious answer, but. No, but it's true. I, exercise is important. What is Bob Newhart the nicest guy in the whole world? <laughs> he is. I mean, you know, from my book, right. we, yeah. we had very little interaction. Right, right. But such a pro, an incredible pro. It's just amazing the people you've worked with. Okay. Now, my podcast is called Kill Me Now because I get aggravated about every fucking little thing. So I want to know what makes you so fucking angry? And it could be anything. Like what pisses you off more than anything in the entire world where you're like, I can't take it anymore? Oh, pedophile priest. I don't even have to think about <laughs> one. I grew up in Boston. Right. And you knew that they were, I knew they were creepy and you heard stories and it, took so long. I'm the only one who didn't like the movie Spotlight. Right. And I was like, what the fuck took you so long? Right, right, right. Um, and I just think they're just evil incarnate. It's you know, so weird. Break. There's so many. How come there's so many? So many. And they cover it up. I give a lot to Snap, which is a group that supports. It's a support group for right. victims. And nothing makes my blood boil. Faster. It's awful. Or, or, or hotter. Ugh, it's so gross. What's yours? Um, What's yours? Uh, oh my God, I have so many. But you know what I've decided? I, I mean, injustice, things that are unfair make me crazy. And that, you know, that's why this whole, you know, administration, I was so enraged. I'm like, but that's not, it's, how was he getting away with that? But I have decided lately that the thing that really pisses me off lately is when I'm in my car, right? And I'm at a street, a stop sign, and I'm waiting for people to cross the street and they're walking really slow. I want to fucking kill them. <laughs> like, just like deliberately, I want to run them. F I want to be like, what the, like that and people at the airport. Wait, are they slow? Cause they're looking at their phones. Cause no, yeah. And, or they're just, yeah. They're just not, and it's like, move, move. The same thing with people on the people mover at the um, airport who stand there. Like, what? Like, you're supposed to walk on the people mover. It gets you there. You're not supposed to stand there like a lazy, like how much fucking time in your life do you have to just, you want, you're so fucking lazy. You want the ground to move. Like that, I can't, you know. So, so. a pedophile priest on a, not walking on a people mover. Oh, that's it. Us, we, we, right. Both of us would be fucking screaming. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'd be losing our minds. <laughs> that's hilarious. You, Everyone can follow you on Twitter at Nell Scovell, N-E-L-L-S-C-O-V-E-L-L. -L -L. Um, but the fact that that caricature of you... No, it's, by the way, I'm at Nelsco, N-E-L-L-S-C-O. But that caricature of you. took my name. It was weird. What the fuck? And they were like, I'll tell it to you. And it's like, eh, I don't even like it that much. It's Helen. Do you, so if you're looking for Nelsco, it's the what the caricature 
that was drawn of you that your father said to you said, oh, look at this caricature. And your father said, it's not flattering, flattering. but it looks like you. And ding that bell because that is is such a Jewish thing. It's not like, but it looks, you know, like that fucking backhanded fucking. Yeah. So uh, if you see a beautiful, flattering caricature, that's Nell Scope. Um, But I can't thank you enough. I've been dying to do this. I wanted to do it in person, but we never could. And now I'm doing them on Zoom because of that fucking piece of shit. But we're going to have a new president and a female vice president. And the only I I think the one thing Trump can console himself with is because he botched the pandemic so horribly. Biden's inauguration uh, crowd size will be right than his. Right. And then he can go jerk off to that. Yeah. And his little with his little. He can have that as long as we get the White House back. Right. Right. Thank you all so much for listening to part two of Kill Me Now with the one and only Nell Scovell. How about that life, huh? She's amazing. Anyway, if you like the show, which, okay, you wouldn't be listening if you didn't like it. And it is brilliant. And so am I. So make sure to subscribe, leave a review. It helps more people find this amazing podcast. And please, five stars. I can't with the negativity. I can't. Five stars only. Thank you. Speaking of five stars, if you have not purchased my book, yes, I can say that when they come for the comedians, we're all in trouble. Seriously, you have issues because it's so good and you're listening to my podcast. So you can listen to my book. It was in the New York Times book review. You can Kindle it. You can buy it anywhere. Let me just read a review. Shall I? Let's go to Amazon. We'll read a review. Here's Here's a review from KD. I chose a five star rating because the book was without flaw. Dot, dot, dot. To me, Judy kept the book on point and interesting throughout its entirety. I'm really glad I purchased this book because I learned things, certain things, about comedians that I had no knowledge of. That's right. Thank you, KD. Okay? Really, it's such a great book. And guess what? It would be a really good stocking stuffer or Hanukkah gift. Please. And I need the money. So it really would mean so much to me. And... All the order links are on the homepage of my website, judygold.com, or wherever books are sold. But if you go to judygold.com, you'll be like, oh, wow, Judy has a new website. So there's a lot of stuff going on in your life that revolves around me. Make sure to follow me on Twitter and Instagram for all upcoming virtual and live events. That's right. I do have some live events, like on December 5th in Pennsylvania. Everything is at Judy Gold at J-E-W-D-Y-G-O-L-T, because I'm a Jew. <laughs> Get it? Like Jew Gold. And uh, I can't thank you enough for listening, supporting this podcast. And um, please be safe and take care of yourself. Wear a mask. And we're getting a new president on January 20th. I love you so long. And uh, everything was wonderful. I'll see you soon. Thank you for the visit. So long.